Hey, hello, hi. Welcome to and are back to the Equitheory Podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese. And on this week's episode, uh, I want you guys to know that as this episode went on, I progressively got a stuffier and stuffier nose and it got harder and harder to breathe and therefore concentrate. Uh, but yeah, this is a pretty chill episode. Just sharing some some thoughts with you guys on uh, juggling school and horses and sort of my pressureless approach to that managing emotions and just working working with the horse you got and the human body you got um as well as some of the self-care practices that I've been pretty diligent about um since taking my break uh but yeah I hope that you guys enjoy this one so let's just get into it you guys you know before we jump into this i gotta do some ad reads some ad slots will be inserted here unless you're a premium feed subscriber in which case you don't gotta listen to the ads the ad free episode is uploaded just for you be sure to check the link below for the premium feed subscription uh for as little as five dollars a month you can become an equitheory subscriber and you can ask me literally any question and i'll make you your very own podcast episode how dope is that and then only premium feed listeners can hear it it's pretty great also don't forget to join the equitheory discord you can click that link down below to connect with like-minded equestrians and with that said let's get into the episode wait add then the episode unless you're a premium feed listener in which case you get to you get to listen okay okay let's go when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, friends, we're going to jump into it. And this one, this one might be a little bit of a messy one. I'll be completely honest with you because I am recording this episode at 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever tried to record a podcast at 4.30 in the afternoon, but wowee, um, especially when it's like 100 degrees outside. Uh, I spent the morning holding horses for the farrier slash trimmer. He's really more of a trimmer for us now because we don't have, I think we just have one horse that has shoes, glue-ons at the moment, but everybody else is barefoot. Um, so I will forever brag on Azula's feet. She has the darn tootinest, toughenest hooves you ever did see. And um, oh my God, she's one of the best horses for the farrier, which is so wild. Um, I never would have imagined just because I haven't been super <laughs> like active um in that realm for whatever reason like you can watch the video on my YouTube of me working with her training her to pick up her feet hoof handling um and she she picked it up pretty easy and she was always pretty good about it but it was just never like a huge training thing that we like really dedicated time to I just every time I went out to hang out with her I would just pick up her feet and give her lots of scratches for it. And then when our farrier started coming out, 
Um, I was like, look, I haven't had another person here to help me. So she's not used to other people picking up her feet. So just take your time and we'll see what happens. And he was super great with her. So slow and methodical and just didn't lose his patience if she tried to take it away from him and he was just slow and would give it to her. And she's just, she's one of the best horses on the property. Like, oh my God, the, the field that she's in has Rory, um, who's doing great by the way. He is just a little child of chaos. Um, has Rory, uh, and two other young thoroughbred mares named May and Ten. Um, her name's Tenzing, but, uh, we call her Ten. And then the two mamas, which is Lady and Silvers, and their two babies, Petra and, uh, Rizzo. Uh, well, her name's Risen, but we call her Rizzo. She was born on Easter, and my boss named her Risen. Um, and she got, she gets called Riz, and I was like, you can't, I want her to be called Riz, like, she's got game, you know? But she wouldn't listen to me, so now her name is Rizzo, and it's cute, whatever. But, um... Yeah, so that's that's where we're at with with all that, but um, all the all the horses in her field are always all over her, like standing on top of us the whole time we're trying to do anything, and she's just so good. She just <laughs> pins her ears at whoever needs their needs to be pinned at, but she was so good. And some of the adult horses don't even stand that well, and uh, I'm just I love little Rooster and Zoe's always so good, but um, they're both doing pretty well just hanging out living life um and that sort of leads me into one of the topics I wanted to jump on today uh I asked you guys in the the Instagram story sort of what you're what you're wanting to hear about uh I'm not I'm not gonna be lie I'm not gonna be lie for sure that's what I meant to say um I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's a little bit hard to get back in the groove of podcasting um particularly because I'm not like super horsey oriented at the moment. Like I've said a million times, just very self-conscious about it. Sorry. Um, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's not at the forefront of my brain. Like when I've podcasted in the past, I've been like studying this or, you know, studying that. And I'm like really getting into stuff. And, um, you know, that's just not where I'm at right now. I am hoping to start reading about horses soon. I've got a copy of Warwick Schiller's book that I'm very excited to read. Um, you know, I, d- I did so much learning and reading about positive reinforcement that I want to, because I feel like Warwick's work ties a lot of the um, human psychology stuff in, which is really the direction I'm going, which is interesting because I feel like he's sort of trailblazing that path of learning about human psychology and development and you know, moving towards your self-actualization, if you will, um, in the sense of like healing attachment wounds, healing trauma and all of those sorts of things. And that really parallels super well with horses. And so sort of bringing in both of those things. So I spent so much time hyper fixated and focused on positive reinforcement, still very much in that use it whenever I'm with horses. Um, but I also want to really study the other side, which is his book is really the only one that I'm super aware of. Um, I recently became aware of someone from his podcast, uh, that studied polyvagal theory in horses. And so, um, I'm curious to read that book, but that said for the moment, most of the books that are available on sort of neuroscience psychology are 
human oriented, but I do feel like a lot of the concepts apply. Uh, and I think we have to be careful not to be super anthropomorphic, but I also think that the hyper sciencey community sometimes walks a fine line of taking away the emotion. There are many, many positive reinforcement trainers that really, really respect and adhere to, you know, that horses do have emotions and that they are like beings. They're not merely input output robots. Um, and I think some of that gets lost in the conversation. I've been saying that for a while. And I think a lot of positive reinforcement trainers say that as well, that like, it's just, it's hard to tackle those topics about, um, you know, like attachment, attunement, feeling safe and secure, because when, when you start getting into those waters, you often start talking about things like bond and ooey gooey concepts, like your relationship with your horse. And like, how do you quantify that? Um, so that's, that's where I think that like polyvagal theory and healing attachment wounds and trauma plays in really nicely with positive reinforcement, because if you show up time and time again, and you're positively, well, that's wrong use of the word in this conversation, but you attune to your horse. Well, you turn toward and you attend like I was talking about in the last episode, when you stop and notice what's going on with the horse, you show to the horse that you notice that and that you're going to play a role in keeping the horse safe from what they are afraid of. Um, you stand a better chance to develop that bond, at least in my view. So that that's sort of the direction that I've been moving with the horse stuff because it's funny with clients, I can't help but put things in horse metaphors and when when I'm talking with clients or researching topics for clients about different concepts in human psychology I'm like I can see how that parallels so well with horses like um so (laughs) one of the realms that I've really fallen in love with with counseling is couple therapy and working with couples I'm a hopeless romantic at heart. That is, I believe, where my passion lies is, you know, working on people and in love and helping them find that love again or not. And sometimes that love is self-love. And exploring those concepts has led me to the Gottmans, John and Julie Gottman's work. And they have some really awesome literature out about it. They also have some some books for um, civilians, if you will, that aren't like super academic, but, um, I've studied their coursework, taken level one and level two, and there's quite a big jump to level three, which is sort of more the pre-certification one. And I'm not really there yet. Uh, it takes some, some time. You got to get some clinical hours and, uh, also have to be pre-licensed. So, um, just sort of taking a breather from that. But a lot of what I was reading in that, I was like, I wonder how, how we could draw parallels to the, my work with horses. So if, if that is a sort of deep dive that you'd be interested in, um, you know, obviously horses and humans, it's not a romantic relationship like the Gottmans have focused on, but, um, in their theory, the sound relationship house, the, the foundation is your love maps, which is your friendship, basically how well, you know, the inner workings of each other's worlds. So that is a big part of your relationship with horses, right? To, to know what your horse likes, what they don't like, where they eat regularly, 
what they're what scares them what they you know they really enjoy doing so to be aware of all of that shows to the horse your you're attuned to them, you know, and attachment science attunement is that feeling like you're secure, like you have a attachment figure and attachment figure that is, that's dependable, that's reliable, that they see you, they understand when you're upset, they label it, you know, if you're a small sad child and you're crying, something has happened, you have a splinter in your finger and your mom goes, ah, ow, that really hurts, doesn't it? Let's, let's take care of that. Let's get you feeling better. Let's remove the splinter. I'm sorry that happened. You know, demonstrating that compassion and that understanding of how that hurt. That's attunement. I don't know why I'm so out of breath. I'm just sitting. <sighs> Deep breath, relax the body. Um, but yeah, so, so bringing that to the horses, I think, would be really interesting and focusing on how do you grow that friendship, so to speak, in the, in the sound relationship house. And the, one of the other things is, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse that the Gottmans talk about. So that's going to be your, oh, what are they? Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And I think a lot of us <laughs> could see that in, in our relationships with horses and I don't know. I'm curious. Uh, I'll, there's this cool little feature on Spotify where you can ask a little Q and a below. So I'll ask you guys to answer that. If you're listening on Spotify, just let me know. What do you think? You think uh little Gottman deep dive is a good idea? No. Yes. But yeah, so that's been a big part of my study. So, um, I don't, I don't want anyone listening to think that I've gone off the complete deep end with woo-woo, uh, you know, non-sciencey mumbo-jumbo, but um, more of exploration into how some of the concepts that we've learned from science with humans might apply to horses. It might not. I could be wrong, and I may recant them in a month, but let me explore, okay? Don't fear. I'm not straying from the science. I will forever be a nerd, but, um, you know, how else do you learn more and expand your knowledge without exploring some maybe out of the box ideas. I don't know. Let me know what you think. But um, yeah, so like I said, been a little difficult to know what to talk about, to record about. So I asked you guys on my story what some of your your wantings to hear about were. And uh, I think it ties in well sort of with where I'm at, which was juggling school and horses. It's having a podcast that's horse-centric and being in school, having an internship and trying to also do the horses at the same time, not going so well. So I guess really the how do you juggle that has been taking the pressure off, really, as, as lame as that sounds. That's, that's really been the answer is if I don't have it in in my cup, in my energy store to go out and train for an hour after work. Frankly, it's just not happening right now. You know, I, I got a boyfriend waiting for me at home that I want to hang out with and we got a love Island to watch. <laughs> um, and I, sometimes I just want to turn my brain off after talking to people all day. You know, it's a, it's a great job. It's a wonderful and fulfilling job. Um, 
but sometimes at the end of the day, it, it is nice to just relax and watch a dumb show and uh, just sit on the couch and pet the kitty cats. And when it feels nicer outside, when it's not uh, blazing 100 degrees, I, I do go down to where Azula is and hang out with her, give her some pets and scratch her. And usually it's those moments that I was talking about in the last episode where I just sort of go down and hang out and connect with her, ground, if you will, just feel what she's she's like, hang out with her, and sort of, I don't know how to, how to put it, really. Um, if I want to go the woo-woo-y route, I would say just have a little energy exchange, you know? I check in with her. She checks in with me. Sometimes I flip a hay trough over and stand on it and scratch her and sit on her back a little bit. Haven't thrown a leg over yet, but uh, I'm hoping this fall we can get to that point. I just, I don't want to just do it, you know, willy-nilly out in the field. I would like to be a little bit more um, systematic about it so I don't make her nervous. She's not giving me any indication that that would make her nervous, but, um, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm not going to make that a scary thing for her, but, um, you know, it's just been, just been nice to take the pressure off, and it's, it's really been about practicing what I preach, right, so I have a client that comes in, and they say, yo, look, (laughs) I'm super stressed, and this is a hypothetical client, obviously, Um, but they say, I'm super stressed, and I don't know what to do. I have all of these things going on, these things that I love to do, but pressuring myself to do the things that I love to do is making me not love to do the things that I love to do. So what do I do? I have these obligations that I have to fulfill and it's not leaving a whole lot of time for me to do the things that I would love to be doing. And so where we would go is talk about like, what does your body feel like is best for you? How do you listen to your body in this? And when I come home from work, my body says, I'm tired. <laughs> At the end of the day, my eyes are sort of crossing and I've, my brain's a little foggy. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that I want to go be with the horses tonight. So I don't. I give myself permission to not, <laughs> which I think has been huge for me because I've, I've always been somebody that holds himself to a very high standard and insists that I meet all of these goals and obligations and I just push and push and push and go above and beyond. If I'm not working dawn to dusk, then what am I doing? And so I've gotten to a point now where I'm like, I just want to live my life and enjoy it. And if that means that sometimes I don't see Azula for a couple days, that's that's where I'm at. I'm trying to get through this internship and this heat wave. My God, it's really the heat wave. I got eczema in my armpits and I just, I cannot, it burns and itches so bad when I'm outside. So I just I can't do it. It was not, not, not an industrial body, this one. Um, but we're working on that from the inside out, trying to. But um, yeah, so I think in the realm of juggling school, horses, work, obligation, you know, it's not, not the answer always that you want to hear to be like, just give yourself permission to do what feels right. Even if that's not being with the horses, because sometimes that might be like, okay, well then I'm not going to see my horse for six months. And if that's the case, you might 
might be in a position where we need to reevaluate, okay, how is the how is the life structured? Where is the time for you? If the horses are a big part of your life, where's that time set aside? Is it possible? Is it is it really not possible? You know, and you know, if not possible now, how can you take steps if it's something important to you to get to where it is possible? And that's that's sort of been where I'm at, you know, in exploring what my life may look like, weighing my options. I'm like, do I want to work eight to five? Would it be possible for me to work maybe nine to six or 10 to six, 10 to seven, um, you know, with wanting to work primarily with couples that, I mean, I might have to work in afternoons. Some people don't want to come to therapy at eight in the morning. So, um, you know, could I take some time out of my morning to work with the horses? Could I restructure my schedule where my time is organized a little differently? That's sort of where I'm at, trying to, trying to feel that out. Um, and ultimately the goal is, there's a couple things we got to do first. The, uh, round pen is in the indoor arena, leaning up against the fence but um, I would like to move it back to where we had it, which is sort of like across the little road from Azula's Field. Um, not a road road, but the driveway, I guess. So um, there's a little a little space. Sorry, I'm trying not to sigh into the mic, but breathless talking this long. <sighs> across the way to put the little round pin so I can sort of have an area separate to work with her just because the other horses just... They're so, God bless them, so annoying. <laughs> they are all up in our business constantly. So it'd be nice to to sort of have our own space to work. Um, and then I'd like to start the summer working on getting her more comfortable with, you know, some things on her bod, like a half pad, or not a half pad, a saddle pad, um, and a saddle and a girth and things of that nature. Um, she's already had a saddle pad and a bareback pad on. I haven't done up the girth, but I've like pulled it under her belly and stuff. And she doesn't seem to mind any of that. Um, so then it's just a matter of building on each of those things. And then um, what I would really like to work on from the ground is rain cues. When we were working on it decently, consistently <laughs> there for a while, and she was really getting that down. Um but yeah, and then installing a brake would be nice. And I need to do some digging on how others have approached that. Um, that's not been that's not been something that I've like really fully fleshed out how I would train that in my head. And what's funny is, um, you know, I've joked about this with other trainers before. If somebody asked me, <laughs> how would you teach stopping? How would you teach a brake from the ground that would work from the saddle or? You know, I feel like I would figure that out so much faster. But for whatever reason, when it's my own horse, I just am like, oh, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't never, never a trained horse. Don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's something I need to dedicate some brain power to for sure. Um, working on some of those things, those foundational skills, because I would like to sit on Azula this fall. You know, she'll be four on January 4th. Oh my God. Isn't that sad? Isn't that crazy? Those of you that have been following along for that long, like Azula's about to be four. What? I mean, not really, because it's like five months to January, but still five months shy of being four years old. 
Oh, my God. We're getting old, folks. We're getting old. I'll be 25 this year. And uh, next month, the end of next month, 25. God, where does the time go? Could be worse. That could be Sean. He's turning 30. <laughs> I'm sorry to everyone that's 30. Uh, I just, I like to tease him about it. And my time will come because, oh my God, I feel like I just turned 21 and just like started this podcast doing all the things. And now here I am about to turn 25, about to have the big girl career, finally be done with school. Um, I'm sure I'll always have myself in some sort of study. Like my next thing that I want to do is EMDR training. Uh, after reading about it in the Vander Kolk book, it's, um, it seems like it's really promising and I'd like to learn more about it, but wowee, the trainings are expensive and the certification training process is a wee bit confusing in terms of you get trained first and then you have to like certifications much further, much more, but they sound, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, you guys don't care about that. That's, that's me rambly things. Um, but yeah, so this is where we're at y'all. We're just living, laughing and loving. Um, but I think the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was, um, sort of managing your emotions around horses. That was something that somebody else brought up and overcoming your mistakes when you make them with your horses. And, uh, I sort I thought that was an interesting topic because that's been something else that I've been reading about. Um, in a lot of the the Gottman training, there's, there's been a lot of talk about self-soothing, how to know when you're physiologically aroused to a point that your, your brain isn't really online, so to speak. Um, your thinking problem solving brain, you can absolutely think when you're emotional and you can't think logically without being emotional, which is, um, a really interesting takeaway that I got from that course is, um, you know, when your emotional sensors are deactivated in your brain, you cannot make logical decisions. So take that. Anyone who has ever said to you in an argument, I'm just trying to be logical. (laughs) You're being emotional. Take that. You're not being logical if you're not being emotional. Um, anyway, that there's no, no tang of bitterness in what I say. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that's that's really cool. And so being around horses and having emotions and getting overwhelmed or feeling too much, some strategies on dealing with that. So there's, I mean, you can take emotions a couple ways. I, I think it's easy to read uh, managing emotions as managing negative emotions, but um, sometimes it can also be managing the excited positive ones. So tackling the negative ones first might be... Um, nerves is a big one. So, um, ideally this would be in a space where you have the option to, you know, sort of step away from whatever it is and focus yourself a little bit more. Um, or maybe it's not, maybe you're attached to the horse and you're having a walk, um, provided that the horse is relaxed. Um, they can be great, great helps in grounding yourself, so to speak. So what I mean by that is getting back in your body And what I mean by that is to, okay, so when you get really, really worked up about something, sometimes what can happen is that you get very thinky in your brain and you have too many thoughts and they're racing. And then in your body, 
your heart rate speeds up, you start sweating, uh, you start fumbling over your words, and it gets a little bit like, oh, oh, I don't know what's happening, too much, too much. So what the first step to be in that situation would be to notice that it's happening, and then to begin to label it, <laughs> what what's happening. Oh, okay, I'm getting very, um, you know, whether it's stimulated, I'm getting overwhelmed, I'm feeling a little nervous, I'm panicking, whatever it is. And then see if you can sort of just observe what happens in your body. What's what's going on? Okay, those, those things are still, those thoughts are racing, the body is moving. Oh my God, uh, and I'm thinking about the thing again. Okay, redirect. What, what am I feeling in my body? Okay. My heart is racing. My, I feel tense in my shoulders. Okay. What happens if I take a really deep breath and then I exhale? What happens to my shoulders? Hmm. Interesting. That tension dissipated a little bit and keep focusing. Every time your thoughts start racing again, you can't have racing thoughts and direct back to your body. Now this is provided that it's not a, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe there are some levels of panic, um, you know, in panic attacks where you're not able to redirect yourself back. Um, this is for those moments where you're maybe nervous and a little shaky around your horse. Um, and you're able to, to sort of have some reign over your thoughts. Um, you know, it's different for everybody. I would like to think that if you're having racing thoughts, it's, it's something that you could still apply, but again, not psychological advice. So always best to consult your own therapist, counselor, um, because I'm not providing counseling services here. This is for entertainment and informational and thought-provoking services only. Um, but yeah, so in those moments to be able to redirect your focus back to what's happening in your body. And if you notice tension to take that deep breath and really focus on the exhale and what happens in your Make sure you're filling your lungs all the way and then deflating and that your belly is moving in and out and then focusing on those parts that are tense and what happens to them. Do they relax? Do they, does that tension subside? And then, you know, it might be worth eyeballing your horse a little bit when you notice that tension melting. What is the horse doing? Um, I usually find that I get interrupted in my mindfulness process because I am suddenly, surrounded by a few horses, <laughs> you know, they, they seem to be very drawn to that regulating energy. And ultimately that's what you're, you're doing with horses by teaching them to be quote unquote non-reactive or bomb proof to things is that you're helping them regulate the fear, recognize, Oh, this is something that could scare me. Oh, I'm okay. And then letting the tension go rather than holding on to it and spiraling upward um, I think one time, like a year or so ago, my boss, Sunny and I were on our way to some, I think we were on our way to get one of her horse's feet done a couple hours away and, uh, listen to this, one of these episodes with Warwick and, uh, he's pretty much the only horse podcast I listen to. So apologies for the constant referencing, but one of those things that he talked about was, um, this anecdote of this girl riding horses and these rabbits are popping out and this horse is a, a nine rabbit horse by the ninth one. It had trigger stacked to the point where nine was too much and the horse bolted back home. And so 
uh, Sonny and I have a joke about being like, it was too many rabbits, <laughs> you know, anytime something goes wrong. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's one of those things as well is how do you, how do you help the horse come up? How do you help you come up and then come down without adding rabbits? That is at least my understanding of emotional regulation. And, um, I think the biggest key to that is noticing, naming it, labeling it, and then really, really, truly seeing, feeling what's happening in your body, feeling that feeling as an emotional feeling and as a physiological feeling, you know, I'm really sad and upset and, you know, I feel really tense in my knees, (laughs) you know, whatever it is and notice that, pay attention to that and then breathe through it and see how that feeling changes. Um, if you've ever had gas pain, it also works with that fun fact. Um, (laughs) but, but yeah, so like, I, I think that's huge. Now, obviously that's something that we can't tell our horses to do whenever they're feeling stressed or overwhelmed about something. But, um, I think that you can do that with horses because I think it's a bit easier for them because they don't have that rumination factor so much that we do where they're not going to sit there and just like stress about it. I think it's a, a very traumatized, damaged horse that, that would be like not able to let something small go. And that horse, you start much further back. So, um, I hope that's making sense. And you can hear what I'm saying through all the gasping breaths. I don't know what my problem is. I don't even, I don't even do nicotine anymore. Almost. Well, yeah, I'm a year clean. Y'all celebrate. Whoop, whoop, quit, quit vaping. Whoop, whoop. One of the hardest things to do, I think. And uh, I'll forever say that. (laughs) So patting myself on the back for that one. Shout out if you're struggling with that. That is the worst thing in the world. Um, So hard to quit, but so worth it. I love being able to breathe, though you wouldn't know because I sound like I haven't taken a breath this whole time. (sighs) Anyway. Um, Okay, so the other half of that was overcoming our mistakes with we make with our horses. So I think a good a good tool there is also that um, grounding regulation piece where you notice what's happening in your body, label it, feel it, and then release it, breathe through it and notice what happens. What changes? Can, can it change? Does it not change? Do you need to move? How do you need to move? You know, um, I don't know. It's something, something to experiment and play around with. Um, but when, when something goes wrong or you make a mistake with your horse, I think it's, it's worth noting that they don't keep score. Um, you know, and if it is a big, bad blow up that they're going to remember, what's, what's the flip side of the coin that you've gotten this far with them, that you have done a bunch of work, whether that's with this particular horse or in reading, learning, watching, listening to podcasts, such as this one, that your dedication shines through, you know, that you're, you're going to get there. You're going to make the change and that mistakes are a part of the journey, you know, it is a part of working with horses and it can be helpful to them. You know, it's, it's not, the world isn't perfect. It's not always going to be butterflies and alfalfa pellets. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta, you gotta mess up and then you learn. And sometimes that's the best way. Sometimes it's not the best way and it could have been avoided. 
But overall, I think one of the biggest pieces to, you know, quote unquote, managing your emotions, good or bad, and having that self-regulation piece is really going to be what you're doing outside of horses, away from horses. And one of the biggest pieces for me has been really making sure that I'm taking care of myself. And this, this goes back to, you know, what I was talking about with the giving yourself permission to live and to just do what feels right for you, even if that's not working with horses. And so for me, that has one of the biggest pieces, my God, has been fixing my sleep schedule. Oh my God. At one point making this podcast, I was going to bed at four in the morning and waking up at noon. And that's about as bad as I ever got. Um, I really, really am a morning person through and through. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, nothing I think, but, um, and at least in the realm of sleep schedule, I, I love mornings. I think that they are magical and wonderful and I don't know. It just feels like stolen time to me. And so I, I've always loved getting up early, but could never go to sleep. (laughs) And I always really struggled with it. And then I realized for me, it was very much a mind game of, um, God, where do I even begin with that? So, uh, I would, every time I would go to bed, I would, I would wait to feel tired. And then I learned for sometimes with people with ADHD, that doesn't happen. You have what's called delayed sleep onset. And so you, your body doesn't produce, at least from what I understand, your body doesn't produce melatonin like the normies. So you don't ever feel tired, like you're ready for bed. And so I was always waiting to feel tired and I never did. And I was like, well, if I go to bed when I don't feel tired, then I'm not going to (laughs) sleep. And, uh, that's, that was not the case. Um, the case was that I would not be tired and then I would lay down and ruminate on every single thing that I had to do for the next week and, um, or beyond And I would think about all those things. I would plan all of those things. And I would be like, okay, I need to remember to do that tomorrow. Oh yeah, I really need to do that tomorrow. And I'm just like listing all these things and trying to hang on to them. And uh, that doesn't work. (laughs) And then I started, like I would get anxious about, um, you know, I'm not going to remember these things. I just need to, if I repeat it enough, then I can. And then, so now I'm not relaxing. I'm not focusing on sleeping. I'm not allowing myself to sink. <laughs> I'm, I'm staying and keeping myself awake. And so it resulted in this vicious cycle where um, I'm waiting to feel sleepy to go to sleep. And that sleepy feeling was like complete exhaustion, not I'm tired and ready for bed. It was just total exhaustion at which point I would then go to bed, ruminate about all these things, rehearse what I needed to do the next day, stress and agonize about conversations I had, um, and then eventually fall asleep and then wake up so exhausted and tired. And so what I did to, to fix that, and I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but one of the biggest things was, um, and I, I will preface by saying that I've since stopped doing this because I, I got better about the just the mental practice of it that um, I don't really struggle with this so much anymore. Uh, Part of it was just having too much on my plate in the first place. But um, so I would, before I go to bed, get out a planner. 
a notepad, whatever it is, and write down everything I could think of that I possibly had to do. Just write it all down on paper. Just wrote it out, (laughs) every single thing uh, out of my brain. So that when I went to bed, I wasn't allowed to think about any of those things. And it was to the point where I couldn't think about the horses when I was trying to fall asleep because the horses got me too excited. It would raise my heart rate. I would, I would think about like, oh, I need to do this. And then I'm, then I'm planning again. And so those, those topics were all off limits. We're not allowed to do that. So, um, it got to where I'm like, okay, I have to think about like petting my cat or like telling myself a story about being in a field with flowers or I don't know, just whatever, I'm not allowed to think about the things I have to do. If I've had a new thought and I'm worried that I'm going to lose it, then I can just grab the piece of paper, write it down, and then it's out of my brain. I don't have to worry about it. And I can reassure myself I will deal with it tomorrow. I'm not going to forget. It's on the list. I don't need to ruminate. I don't need to think. I'm sleeping now. And just setting that boundary for myself that this is my time to rest. I don't need to think about all the things that I need to do. My life is not merely output. So I'm going to sleep now. That helped immensely by just setting that rule or not allowed to think about it. Sleep. Wonderful. So, um, that was a big, a big piece of it. The other piece was not waiting until I was tired to go to bed. Um, so instead what I did was I just picked a time and I would put myself to bed and no phone. I can read a book. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll just read a book since, or at like 10 o'clock until I fall asleep, which is normally around one or two. And I'll just read until then. Um, that's not what happened. I got very tired and then I fell asleep. So, um, by just changing those few habits, uh, it started getting better, but it was like, I, I couldn't stop the train. Um, very much had to be diligent about it because, you know, especially if I'm working at night, um, working on whatever, whatever content creation it was at the time. Um, if, if I stayed up working on it and I was like, well, I'm not tired yet, then I could just lie to myself (laughs) until I went to bed because my body's very good at, at keeping me going. It's, it's very used to having been pushing through all those feelings and just ignoring itself. Um, I feel like my whole life I've, I've been very separate from mind and body. So I can keep working even when my body's not really feeling super up to it anymore. So I would set a time for myself that I need to go to bed, go get in bed at like nine or 10 and read and hopefully fall asleep. And I would also have that list. And so then it got to where I was like, okay, some of these things have been on this list forever and I'm really tired of writing them every night. So maybe I just dump them. If this isn't a task I'm going to do, I just dump it. Fine. And there's, there's lots of theory on like keeping task lists and whatever, and that's your own prerogative. But for me, it was a matter of writing all of those things down every night so that I know them, I don't have to rehearse them and they're out of my brain, quote unquote. So I don't have to, to like hang on to them anymore. And then I also sort of developed this priority system of like, what's worth writing again? What can I let go of? What's important to me? What's not, you know, obviously from what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. Um, and then from there, 
some of those things just fell off. And then I started being like, none of this is manageable. <laughs> like, how can I live like this? What can I let go of realistically? Will the world fall apart if I don't make 17 Instagram posts a week? No, I'll be fine. So the next step in all of this was picking a time to get up. And so that has been 6am. And it started with setting my phone very much across the room or in another room to where I could still hear my alarm, but then I have to get up. And then naturally the cats are like, feed us. And then the dog's like, I need to go out. And then I'm also like, mm, I have to pee. And then by that time I'm awake. So it, it worked out great. And, uh, my system has sort of changed a little bit since Sean's moved in where we both keep our phones by the bed and that has been detrimental, but we still are very good about going to bed at 10 and waking up at six. I got lucky to have a partner that has a same sleep schedule desirable for me, uh, or as me. So we, we keep each other honest in that way. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been really nice and very good. So that is, that's been a big part of my self-care and I think huge, huge in my ability to manage how I'm feeling, not getting overblown and stressed and snapping at people, uh, you know, just really looking at it as a way to take care of myself that I deserve this just as much as I deserve to put energy into my work and my job and my internship. I deserve to put that same amount of energy into taking care of myself. And if not, then I'm doing a disservice to my clients and I am not being authentic with my clients when I, you know, offer these tools that I've learned and I'm not applying them to myself. It's a little bit of a inauthenticity to me, I guess. So, um, yeah, the other part of that has been trying to, um, fuel my body in a way that my body enjoys, which has been a difficulty of mine just because eating <laughs> right is so expensive. And for me, eating right has been like trying to go more anti-inflammatory. So gluten-free, dairy-free, and it's very hard to find alternatives and eat not in that way, um, or not in the opposite way. It's just, it's, it's so difficult and it's so expensive, especially when you're not getting paid anything internship wise. Um, so Oh God, it's just, it's the worst not getting paid in this economy, y'all. It's rough. But, um, yeah, so uh, this has been very self-helpy, but, um, just sort of exploring what it's been like for me and trying to figure out how I can show up with the horses in a way that feels authentic to me and authentic to them and doesn't rattle anyone, doesn't allow me to get super easily rattled. And I can definitely tell a difference when I haven't been eating as much and I, you know, like skip a couple meals and then my skin starts breaking out worse or my eczema flares up um, or I'm not sleeping as well. And so really taking care to make sure all of it feeds back in a positive loop um, and also trying to work in a yoga here and there. <sighs> I wish I was more on top of the yoga for whatever reason I haven't felt like super drawn to it lately um I'm I'm waiting to read the chapter of the Vanderkolk book that covers yoga I'm not waiting to read it it's just the next chapter but um I'm hoping that it will inspire me to get back into it because of the the positive benefits of it um and if you're interested in that I can share that with you guys 
but um yeah i don't know man i i think i'm i'm running on low steam here and uh this it feels like i've said what i needed to say today so if you have thoughts on what you'd like to hear next on the podcast don't hesitate to let me know i will ask again on the story or feel free to comment on the most recent post but um with that said thank you guys for listening to the ramblings i hope this podcast brought something to your life a little entertainment hopefully and uh i'm hoping that i'll have some some stories coming up here soon uh once it cools off a little bit more i'm really excited to start working with azula more regularly um but yeah i look forward to next week's episode and i hope that you guys enjoy i'll catch you in the next one